Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. And in a world first for Women Who Rock, <laughs> I am joined by two people, two women who rock. I'm joined by Leslie Clements and Shannon Carswell. They're the joint singers in the Sydney blues soul powerhouse Whiskey Empire. Leslie and Shannon, thanks so much for coming on Women Who Rock. Woohoo! <laughs> thanks exciting. for having us. It's great to have you. You really have no choice but to have us both because yeah. we're kind of a job lot. There, well, I mean, with the with your recordings, it seems as though the vocals are really uh, shared equally. So it's great to have an equal share of your input on this podcast. Hooray! <laughs> Leslie, a previous guest of Women Who Rock. We were having a chat, and she told me that you actually come from a family of travelling carnival employees. <laughs> well, a carny folk. Yeah, not the employees so much as probably the crazy um, management. So my grandfather was uh, literally a carnival manager, and he had he was well known because he only had one arm, and he could put up a big tent, a circus big tent by himself with one arm. Wow! Um, and so my grandmother married into that life and they traveled Australia pretty much my grandmother was a performer so she was a, a dancer and yeah they traveled the country doing all of the shady things and there's so many interesting stories in regards to so like the BGs actually grew up on some of the showgrounds in Australia there's a lot of famous people that ended up hanging out um I think uh Errol Flynn owes my grandfather ten, five pound in a in a card game at the back of one of the circus tents. That's probably quite a lot now. Well, they're both dead. Yeah, so they're probably still playing. Drinking and playing. <laughs> drinking and playing. We don't know who's up now. No, we don't. <laughs> good chance they're both down. But <laughs> very good chance. So that was your grandparents. Yeah. How did you get to experience that at all? The kind of I did. So you were travelling with no like a I, circus or a carnival or. I was really lucky. Well, my grandmother decided that her children, being my mother and my uncle, were not going to have that lifestyle. And so they had an interesting life because they went to serious private boarding schools like Knox Grammar and those kind of schools in their schooling, like a boarding school. And then on the school holidays, they would go and work the carnivals and work the roll downs and work the clowns and work. So they had a really weird backwards, forwards. My uncle Michael was going to school with the, you know, the Prime Minister's kids and, and then going back to the circus on the weekends. Um, yeah, and so from that from that level, my parent, my we kind of got out of it to a degree, but we're still, like I grew up slinging dagwood dogs and hot chips at carnivals and wow. making fairy floss and snow cones. And that is so, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. As a interesting. Kid, as a kid, everybody wanted to be your friend at Easter with the Easter show. Oh, uh, yeah. They I'd, might give you a free, you might get them a free Pluto pup. Uh, better than that, I would walk into the showground and say, I'm, I'm, I'm Dixie's granddaughter, and I'd get rolls of tickets for rides. Oh, cool. Just like rolls. And so I had a lot of friends come Easter every year. <laughs> <laughs> Seasonal friendship. Absolutely. Yeah, nice. <laughs> like Jesus. Like, really. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I'm sorry. Not, I'm sorry. Not, not bread and fishes, you get ride tickets and dagwood yeah. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a seafood fan. No, so. I'm going with the tickets and dead yeah, with dogs. Same. 
Shan, I understand you were working overseas or you were overseas for quite a while, mm-hmm. particularly in Japan. Oh, yeah. Quite a yep. while. Can you tell me about... You've done your research, haven't you? Yeah, I do a lot of research. <laughs> yep. um, how did that influence your outlook on music, being in ah, Japan? Okay, well, Japan was awesome. Doing the same show five times a day, five days a week was not awesome. That kind of eats away at your creative soul. Mm. And there were big things. So, sorry, what exactly and, were you doing? You right, were, I was working at Universal Studios. Oh, really? Yeah. In Japan? In Japan. Cool. Shannon was so Aretha. Snare. You were Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Short time. Yeah. Playing Aretha. <laughs> then I had my own show, the Blues Singer <laughs> show, where I had a Jim Henson puppet, which was awesome to get to learn how to use one of those, who was a skeleton. My dead husband. It was weird. It was very weird. But, um, yeah, I, di- I did a lot of work where... I had to be away from my country, as well as touring Australia, and did a lot of high-profile stuff, and it did nothing for my soul. It was, I can list a bunch of amazing Australian performers that I've worked with that I love, that I've had those opportunities, and I've worked with some great people. I don't regret a day of it, but this is kind of the first time in my career that I'm having a ball, because mm. I work with my best mate. Okay. And some amazing musicians who are collaborative. Uh, instead of saying, you know, you've got to sing Respect, you've got to sing some Barbara Streisand song or Celine Dan, something awful <laughs> that my mother would love. Yeah, my mother's a big Celine Dion fan <laughs> yeah, as well. <laughs> my mum. And, you know, you sing three songs and you get 10 grand and, you know, you get flown somewhere and it's awesome. Mm. But it did nothing for my soul because it wasn't what I loved. Okay. That's really interesting. One of my friends who's a drummer... He has done some work on kind of cruise ships, Mm -hmm. which if we're talking about destroying your soul, that's a pretty quick path to do that. And he had the same thing where he kind of liked the music, Mm. but playing it however many times a day, every day, and you're on the ship and there's nowhere to go, Mm. it kind of, you don't have that creative element. It's good money, but it kind of... Yeah, but that's it. It's good money. And it's... There's no way that we'll earn great coin in a blues band in Sydney. Mm. It's not going to happen. And that's why we both have jobs. Mm. Being a full-time musician, you often have to make a choice of whether or not it's going to feed your soul or it's going to feed you. Mm. And I chose feeding myself. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> I mean, how am I going to choose otherwise, really? <laughs> Large people. Um, yeah, but it got the better of me. And I didn't sing for nearly two years. I just got to a point where it was just like, this is a shallow, awful industry and I hate it. So I walked away from it. And you did something about it. So let's talk about Mm. Whiskey Empire. Yeah. You have a, it's really cool, you have a live album. I know that's on your website. Accidentally. Was it from from last year? Yeah. Yeah. Year before? Last year. 26 September 2016. (laughs) Thank you, Rain Man. (laughs) This is the Rain Man of the group. Yeah. So can you tell me about how that happened? Because it's very interesting that, because this is the first Whiskey Empire album Mm. and it's a live album. Normally you're in the studio for a while and then you do a live album. How did it happen the other way? Okay. Where you go, Rain Man. (laughs) Fill us in on all the details. I have a head for numbers sometimes when it's working. Um, So we were doing a gig and it was, we were excited to go. We were excited to be there. Yeah, it was like a blues festival at Castle Hill. And we did the gig 
and we we had it, it was quite early for us. So we'd gotten all frocked up and dressed and out there, and we're like, oh, it's early in the day. And but the crowd was amazing. It was a really great, and there were kids, and it was just it was a great gig. And then after the fact, the the sound guy actually said, I took all of the different lines and I rec- recorded them. Do you want the tracks? Oh, wow. So it wasn't something that you went and set up? Or- no. It was okay. completely the sound guy's prerogative. He was just like, this sounds really good. I think you should do something with it. And and then, yeah, so then the the more techie, musically techie people grabbed the tracks. And um, so Michael Wheatley, who is in our band. Keys, key- sings, harp. Awesome. Also has a recording studio. So, so he listened, tweaking it was... Yeah. He listened to the tracks and he went, ah, there's really something in this. Like he was the one, and, and, and John, hmm. who basically said, there's actually something worth doing with this. And we were like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we, had, we didn't actually hear much of it until it was at the – and they, they, Michael actually said it didn't take very much to tweak it. There wasn't a, a lot. And I think that goes – because we, we actually – love everyone in the band so I think we were just having a good time and um, just in our own space and doing our thing and all of a sudden it was recorded so there was no pressure for us to perform a certain way or do mm. do it a certain way or oh no someone's recording we better yeah. not swear or not yeah. <laughs> well we'd already had that in our head because of the kids yeah so we often are inappropriate what <laughs> yes <laughs> we're very inappropriate yeah I, I try very hard to not be obviously inappropriate so it can be taken the way you'd like to take it. I can't do that. Yeah. I'm really nasty. Being, <laughs> being in the industry that I am in in my day life, I can't really afford to be out there cussing. And so you didn't have the filters, but you kind of did because there was kids. There. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. So when we're doing like the lemon song and it's all about, you know. Sex. Squeeze me, baby, till the juice runs down my leg. You know, we did a little, you know. Chat about it. it's about lemonade, making lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, kids! No, it was wrong. Yeah, felt well, really wrong. Zeppelin, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. such a great and it's such a great thing for us because mm. basically we're a pair, pair of screaming tits. That's our nickname. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Shannon Les the screaming tits. That's generally pretty, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah. <laughs> It, well, we're going to get t-shirts, mate. Um, but yeah, so we didn't actually, and and then we got the actual recordings and went. Wow. And we kind of both went, is that what we sound like? <laughs> I didn't really go, wow. I, I was like, ah. Because I always, I always find it very strange to hear your voice back. Any recording I've ever done before, when it's in the recording studio, I am awful. Because I'm like, no, I want to do that again. I want to do it over and over again until it has no no soul left in it. Yeah. Because I hate the how, I hate how it sounds. Well, you didn't have that option, I guess. We no option. this un scripted live recording. It's basically a bootleg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's a pretty we, good one, to be fair. We hit a couple of bummers. We were like, well, oh, we, we were sitting listening to it going, oh, oh. But, but that's the majesty of the lightning in the bottle. That's recording it. Recording that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, that rawness, I think, is what we are actually known for mm. um, in our singing styles, both of us. Mm. We're very, very raw. So actually having that not gone over and over and over again um, and just as it was I think that sort of really showed what we could do I would really like to take a track from it 
because there's a few uh, originals. There's a lot of covers, but a few originals. So let's take a track. I'm going to take a track from it now. This is a very live recording. Very of, live. Very live. <laughs> of uh, Whiskey Empire. It is called Grow Your Own. <laughs> song was called Grow Your Own. It is a Whiskey Empire original. Can you tell us a little bit of a story about how that song came to be? That's a difficult thing to answer because the song came to be by our original band leader. I guess he was our band. He was. Yeah. John Hardacre, he wrote it and he wrote a lot of our original stuff. Great, great muso, great guitarist. Yeah, the, I think that he always used to say, "There's a there's a message in this. Take it how you will." We kind of think it might be about greens, <laughs> maybe, 
Maybe not. You can Maybe not. I, I, it's one of those things you can read into whatever you wish. Yeah? Well, it's yeah. hard, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. You could be growing your own life. Produce. Happiness. Yeah, I don't know. You can grow heaps of stuff. You yeah. can grow heaps of stuff. I've obviously just taken mold. it the wrong way. I can grow mold. <laughs> Excellent. So talking about the album, it is a mixture. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that one is an original, but there's some covers. There's some really good covers. Crossroads, you guys do Thriller's Gone. Yeah. I just really like the music that you make. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I was wondering, I guess, you do covers, but you also do originals as well. Mm-hmm. Do you see Do you see Whiskey Empire as an originals blues band or a cover band, or is it somewhere in the middle, sort of fitting in two different scenes? I think what's interesting for us, all of the band members like slightly different stuff. Mm. Like if you were to say to somebody, show us your record collection on one, you know, Beck's record collection, which is awesome, by the way. Um, or, or Beck's the drummer. Yeah. Beck Clark. Um, we've all got quite different tastes. So when it comes to the actual music that we like to produce, it's all about, okay, what can we, what songs can we take that we love and what can we do to make them our own? Like what can we do to make them and what do you hear in it and what do I like and so that's kind of where our covers are not necessarily just a cover a yeah. straight cover um and I I like that idea so I think that's kind of where we've all sort of taken that we would we would do some originals because Beck is, is an amazing songwriter as well and um, Mikey Mikey's and Mikey great. Mikey's got some great mm. stuff he's got his album is oh, I loved his album mm. so it, he's with the Dirty Carpet Disco Band and that's his own and he doesn't, and a okay. bit funk and, and really interesting stuff. So we all kind of – I don't write a lot. I don't know. Everything I write just turns into a country song. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I just, but to be fair, I grew up in Wagga. Yeah, and mine just turns into I Want to Stab Everyone. Yeah. They're really sad, stabby songs. But um, that reflects <laughs> the kind of music you're into. Yeah, it's true. The music you listen to makes me very depressed. Yeah. Makes me feel I sad. can do that. I like dark music too. Yeah. <laughs> Just not all the time. Tell you a little bit of a funny story about that. So in early 2000 to somewhere in the middle of 2003, I was the general manager of ARC, the nightclub on Flinders Street. Yep. And it's a dance nightclub. And I have not particularly ever really loved dance music. It's something I can go to, but it's not my go-to of choice. So I was sitting in the office and I'd be playing my own music during the day when nobody was in the club and it was all Tori Amos, <laughs> um, Beth Hart, it, Beth Hart, Etta James. Um, it was all you know, all sorts of stuff that not the latest club bangers was not Kylie, and it wasn't Madonna. <laughs> and um, and I came back from lunch, and there was a with condolences card sitting on my desk, and it, I opened it. It said, "From your from your musical choices, we feel that someone close to you must have died." Wow! <laughs> and they so, just did that of their own volition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I do like depressing music. Yeah, you do. I really do. Yeah, I do. On that sound system, it was awesome. Yeah, I'm sure it was, but it gets a little sad after a while. Yeah. I was listening to your cover of Thriller's Gone, and it's definitely different to the B.B. King original. Mm. So it's interesting that you all have your own kind of, you're coming from your own angle, and then it all comes together in this melting pot, and then you get this different kind of original sound or a new take on a cover. That's really cool. Well, I think the, the thing with... Blues classics, so many of the great songs were men's songs. Um, so it's always going to be different having a female voice mm. do a BB King song um, and then adding two female voices. 
and a bass player who is funkier than I don't know what and same with keys. It's never going to be the thriller's gone as we know it mm. and we know we're never going to replicate. We're never going to be able to do it justice if we stick to it as is. So we kind of have no choice but to go in a different direction. I saw that you're playing at Lazy Bones mm-hmm. on the 18th of May, which is tomorrow if you are diligently subscribing to the podcast and listening to it as soon as it's up. So that might be a good thing to go to. Well. And I saw you played at the basement as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so fun. That's when epic. I spoke to Fran, we had a bit of a discussion about, I guess, over the past couple of years, what's happened to live music mm. in Sydney. Obviously, the base, what's happening at the basement is pretty tragic. It's probably, a, I like that venue. I'm sure that you guys like that venue as well. Interesting to see, because it's a little bit of an interesting position where you guys sit in terms of, do you play venues that have mainly originals bands, or are you playing venues where you're doing a five-hour set and doing covers? So maybe you get to span across both, but I'm interested just to get your opinion or perspective of what's happened over the last, because you guys have been a band for three years. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So could you comment? It's been that long. It doesn't feel no, that long. Not that long. Yeah, March. It probably is. March to the, yeah. Just, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, when you're enjoying yourself, it doesn't feel that long. It doesn't. <laughs> I think it's hard for us. We, being a, like, what we're finding with the music scene is that the venues, and this is going to be interesting because I used to run venues, so I actually mm. know them from both sides. Mm. Um, some, depending on the venue that you're in, they really are struggling and so paying for live music seven nights a week at a rate that would actually keep musicians well well employed as musicians only it's hard for a lot of the venues and we've lost a lot of the venues that did that so I think for every musician in Sydney um, everybody is having a similar struggle of where can we play where are we going to get where are we going to get more than 20 bucks for playing do you know Mm. what I mean it's it's it, it's really important that we do support musicians and that they are paid accordingly. So those kind of venues are really tricky to find. So for us, we we will play. Listen to this, everyone. We'll play wherever. We we really will. <laughs> we really we um. But it it we're finding that the venues that will take a six piece band because we are six piece so are getting less and less. Okay. Um. So places like Lazy Bones, uh, obviously they have. Um, big stage and a lot of clientele they're obviously the sort of places that we would play more basement was excellent as well for that for that reason mm. you're playing the cauliflower hotel as well yeah, I saw yeah. cauliflower's a great great hotel absolutely and the staff and the food and the everything yeah. it's old school as well right but it's not it's no longer old school it's fancy like there's this rum bar upstairs it's just all amazing rums really it's, it's a very happy place. I don't know if I've been there. I oh, you need to go I'm there. It's great. Close, though, so I should. It's great. Yeah. That. So, do they have a lot of live music there as well? Yeah, they do. They are really supportive. Okay. Of the of of the musicians in Sydney. And I don't know why I thought this, but I thought they did a lot of hip hop. Do they do hip hop nights? As they well? do some, but not all. They they they've got they're trying to do a bit of everything, which mm. is great. So they're not sticking with the I am and this kind of we mm. only do this kind of music. And I think that they're really trying very hard to keep live music. Especially in that area of Sydney, so cool. the people that have it are trying so hard. Yeah, Lazy Bones, the support that they give to the the museos is amazing. Piermont Bridge Hotel, there's a townie, the townie. Yeah. Mm. There's a handful of really great venues that 
I think regardless of what they're receiving, they are still willing to support live music because they believe in it. Hear, hear from the townie. Leslie and Shan, it is now time to do the end of podcast segment called Tell Me a Thing, where I give you a host of topics and ask for you to link the topic to a specific time or kind of an era to tell me something pretty cool. So the list of topics that I have given you is musical equipment, recording equipment, punk rock, Patti Smith, politics, death, and poetry. Leslie, mm. can you please tell me a thing? So I took re- recording equipment for the reason that my dad actually recorded with his band in Abbey Road Studios before the Beatles. Oh, wow. Yeah, they didn't make it as much. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they played on a rooftop, They though. played on a rooftop in the Midlands of England. It was very cold. They were called the Double Diamonds and they were a rockabilly sort of um, band. But, yeah, they, they, they really didn't go... To any particular height, but that's that's Dad's one claim to fame. That's amazing. So that yeah. was that early sixties or early fifties. Oh, early fifties. I'd wow. say. I wonder. Mm. If, I wonder if some of the equipment that was in Abbey Road when they were there was used on any of the Beatles recordings. I, I wouldn't know. I just always have a little bit of a <laughs> whenever I hear Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah. So he was a pomty. Yeah, that's really cool. Why were they on a roof? <laughs> they were doing the, the rooftop gig. And they did that what, in the was 50s? It, look, it looked like it was on top of a, a, a cinema roof, like the awning yeah. over the top of a cinema. Yeah. Okay. And that was a rockabilly band. On the, the, on the awning of a cinema in the Midlands of England. Wow. Yeah. They had a serious crowd. It was they impressive. Did. And there's like the copper standing in the front watching everyone. That's yeah. cool. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Shen, have you made a, a selection of my seven topics? I have made a selection. <laughs> death was where I was heading heading to, as we all are. Um, <laughs> death, <laughs> death, <laughs> death was I say I was I am a massive Billy Holiday fan. Okay. I love Billy Holiday and one of my favourite books was her biography. And I learnt in that that a lot of, I mean, she had an awful life, awful childhood. But so the era would have been 30s as a child. Mm. She actually was, she had, were living with her grandmother and her grandmother had dropsy. Don't know what that is, but that's what she had. And she had fallen on the floor and she couldn't get up. And she asked a very young Billie Holiday, come and lay with me and chat with me, sing to me. And she would have been five or six, like very, very young. And her grandmother died with her in her arms. And she was there for hours because she couldn't release herself from Mm. her grandmother's embrace. That's heavy. Heavy. But you can hear that pain all the way through her music. And, yeah, I remember reading that and going, I knew she had an awful life. I knew that she had an awful mother and heroin addiction and just being a black woman in that era. Mm. Just, I mean, her magnolias in her hair 
Her, no, no, gardenias in her hair even came from something bad happening. Like she was doing her hair and burnt a big chunk of her hair off and was about to go on stage. And so they had to stick these gardenias in her hair to, to mask the smell and the bald patch. So it was like everything was tragic in her life. But that moment, I read that and it, it stayed with me forever because it just, it's so gutting and haunting. And every time I hear the pain in her voice, that's that's an image that I get stuck in my head. Should should have gone with the musical equipment. <laughs> 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 it's usually me who brings the party down. <laughs> no, well, you know me; I'm not very bright. I wasn't going to do well with politics, poetry. Mm, there was a boy on the burning deck. So I'm going to cut it. I think that was great. I think we all just had a moment, and, and, def- a moment? and we all learned something. That's for damn sure. You've read the book, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. So, I learned something, yes, and that's what I wanted, so we've all <laughs> nailed it. We told you a thing. You did tell me a thing. Leslie and Shan, thank you so much for coming on Women Who Rock. Thank yeah. you for having us, and thank you for doing this show. Not a problem. It's awesome. It's my pleasure. Mm. It's been a really great experience. This has been a great experience. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.